Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Nerd Yogi podcast. So today's episode is a little bit different. I'm talking to David, a yoga teacher from Warrington in the north of England. David is not your typical yoga teacher. He's an IT contractor during the day with big muscles and tattoos who came to yoga first through his own struggles with mental health. We talked about stress, finding inner peace, and what yoga really is versus the portrait we have of it in the media. You're listening to the Nerd Yogi podcast, sharing natural ways to boost your well-being with a sprinkle of mystic and a big coating of science. And I'm your host, Virginie Ferguson, founder and yoga teacher at clanyogis.com. Also mother of two, science nerd and positivity advocate. I help people who always thought they could never do yoga level up on their health and well-being using yogic tools backed by science. So, hi David, um, thanks very much for joining me on this uh, episode of the Nerd Yogi podcast and for giving up some of your precious Sunday time to chat to me. <laughs> so um, I've already kind of done a quick introduction for the listeners um, about you, but maybe we can start with just hearing it from you about yourself and introducing okay. yourself. Yeah, okay. So I've been practicing yoga for around eight years. Uh, I started in uh, 2013. My background really up until that point was um, I was a raver and a DJ mostly. Um, <laughs> I had lived a, quite a carefree life. Uh, I had no responsibilities as children. Um, and then in 2013, I became a dad, um, which was, you know, a big thing for me and probably one of the best things that's happened in my life. Mm-hmm. And with, with that came a, a number of other changes to responsibilities, uh, changes to my career and things like that. And um, I was practicing yoga. Um, I was practicing hot yoga, actually, uh, and I was drawn to the, the sort of strong style. It really suited my lifestyle. I was, I was training in martial arts at the time, mm-hmm. weightlifting, bodybuilding, all the, the sort of the heavy physical stuff that you can yeah. do and I'd, I'd caused a lot of wear and tear to my body and I found that initially that yoga was really helpful for my posture it helped me to recover from exercise quickly but it also left me with a, a sense of inexplicable calm after a, after a class mm-hmm. and I didn't really I didn't really understand the mechanics of, of yoga and how it relates to the nervous system and and things like that at the time and um, somewhere around late 2014, after a very stressful first year of being a dad, uh, some big shifts in my career and starting a new business, um, I experienced a, a chronic burnout, uh, mm. chronic stress and, uh, and, and ultimately a burnout. And I'd been listening to Joe Rogan, uh, his podcast for quite some years and some of his interesting guests such as Graham Hancock, Aubrey Marcus and Amber Lyon, they all spoke of their um, their own healing journeys using a plant medicine called ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And at the time I thought, yeah, I could really do with some of that, to be honest. <laughs> um, and then in, uh, in October 2014, the opportunity came up for me to 
attend a ayahuasca ceremony and um yeah it was uh, it was a complete reset for me i remember my, my my first night at this place i won't go into too much detail about where it was <laughs> and who it was with but <clears throat> we arrived at this place it was uh, it was a community center and we walked into the place and the the men were on the left side of the room the women were on the right everybody was dressed in white and then the the person who was serving the medicine sat at an altar uh, at the, the top of the room and we all set our intentions as a group shared our intentions and then i came up with quite an emotional outburst about how i was sick of where i was uh, in my career and it wasn't what i wanted to do and how i wanted to change things and, mm-hmm. and, and find a new direction in life and we drank the medicine I, I don't know if you've ever seen or come across ayahuasca tea it's uh, it comes in a shot glass it's, yeah uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Have, yeah. It's, it's funny how ayahuasca has just been making a lot of appearances in my life recently <laughs> up until okay. a few months ago i yes, had never yes. heard about it yeah. so uh yeah yeah, that's, that's yeah i've not experienced them yeah. myself but yeah okay <laughs> So it's um, it's a combination of a vine from the Amazon and the leaf of a plant, uh, such as the acacia bush, which contains DMT. And the combination of the bush and the vine enables the brew to be drunk and rather than it being broken down in the digestive system, uh, allows it to be absorbed. <clears throat> so I drank this brew. It was uh, a mix of uh, what we call chocolate, coffee grounds, and mud. <laughs> uh, not particularly appealing. Um, and then we all went back to our, our bed spaces that we created in this room. And for sort of 20 minutes to half an hour, I could feel this sort of sedating sensation of this medicine coming on through my body. And then I could hear people around me. They started going through their own processes. People started purging. People were crying, but I very distinctly heard the words spoken to me by this medicine or whatever, whatever presence was there. Mm-hmm. Um, the words were, you came here to rest, go to sleep. And I felt this presence sort of withdraw from me. And I spent the rest of the night in, in quite a restful sleep. And then the next day, the time we, we, we had was our own, we, we went out walking in nature. And this this was a weekend thing. So Saturday mm-hmm. night we came back. We did the same thing. This time the medicine took me a lot deeper. So after sitting and drinking my first cup and sitting contemplating life for about an hour, I started seeing images and visions of me um, as a child, sort wow. of the, the purest essence of me before mm-hmm. before life unfolded and you know adulthood uh, mm-hmm. and experiences took hold, and I went up to drink my second cup of the medicine and I, I spoke to the um, the shaman who was, who was serving and I, 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 gave her, I gave her my experience and I, and I said the insight I took from that was that I needed to reparent myself through the way that I'm parenting my own son. Mm-hmm. And I went back to my bed space and um, I had quite an emotional release. I spent most of the, the rest of the night crying, mm-hmm. sort of tears of relief um, that I'd come to this space and I could have this kind of outpouring of, I suppose, unprocessed life experience and all of the yeah. stress that I'd gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sometimes we just need that space to be allowed to be there yes. and Absolutely. and access yes. those things that are in our subconscious that we've just buried so deep that we almost forget about them and all we Absolutely, need is yes. time and, and space but like in the modern lives it's just so difficult to get We're constantly that time and yes. space yeah constantly on the go and that that's how i'd felt for for quite some time so you, you're perfectly right it, it was being able to come into that space and feeling safe enough to have that release and obviously the medicine accessing those parts of my subconscious where i hadn't processed life it was very psychedelic there was a lot of visions most of which i could not not explain or even remember afterwards mm-hmm. But after the weekend, I felt a huge sense of weight being lifted from my shoulders. And I went on the next three or four years back to this medicine, maybe three or four times a year. And it was was like peeling back the layers of an onion. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the interesting things that kept coming up for me, both within these circles and outside of these circles, was that I needed more yoga in my life. And I didn't quite understand why mm-hmm. I needed yoga in my life or mm-hmm. more yoga in my life. I'd asked this medicine for help. I didn't really know what help I needed at the time. But what I have come to understand was I was looking for a sense of inner peace in my life. And as I now understand yoga, yoga being a pathway to inner peace and self-transformation, mm-hmm. What I got from these journeys was that yoga was that pathway that I needed to take because you don't just do the work on these weekends. You take take that experience away. You have to do the work in your Mm -hmm. daily life if you want to make a positive transformation. So I went through a a couple of years of of painfully letting go of things that no longer served me. The person who I used to be, you know, I I was was turning 40, go on pretending that I was... uh, you know, in my youth anymore. Um, <laughs> and, and in one of these circles, I actually made a pledge that I was going to train to be a yoga teacher, not really knowing why mm-hmm. I was going to get into it. But I had I had a, a couple of teacher friends of my own who, who said, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd make a good yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go and do the training? Yeah. Um, it's always your so own teacher, isn't it, though, with do it, do it. It is, yes, yes, yeah. Um, and I was kind of resistant to it at first. I wanted to get into the kind of, uh, you know, I'd, I'd always wanted to be a personal trainer. I think that would have been the path mm. that I'd have followed had I have not become um, an IT geek. Yeah. So I, I resisted uh, for quite some time. You know, I, I didn't quite understand what it would give for me in terms of a career change. I didn't really understand why I would want to teach yoga, um, but something kept pulling me towards it. And as my understanding of yoga kind of deepened, I moved away from like, I didn't move away from the strong practice. I still continued the strong practice, but I started exploring more restorative yin, uh, yoga nidra-based mm-hmm. practices. And that. it really opened up a whole new world of, of, sort of self-care, uh, yeah. if you like. So yeah, when the, the opportunity to, came, uh, to to do my yoga teacher training came up in 2017, um, I was with Yoga Campus in Manchester. I applied, started training, 
in early 2018. And it was there really that I started to understand exactly what yoga was. It wasn't just what you do on the mat, throwing the shapes, you know, getting into postures and yeah. walking out the class until you next go back into your class. Patanjali's eight limb path brought a lot of insight into the universal morality, how we behave towards others and ourselves, the practice of asana, uh, the postures, pranayama breathing, the sense withdrawal, developing a greater sense of concentration and focus, which then leads to the state of samadhi, which yeah. is the sort of unification of yourself, yeah, if you like. Yeah. And it's that transformational path and the, the toolkit that my teacher training offered me that really continued to improve uh, and transform my life for the good. And it was on this, this training course that I, I really discovered the reason why I'd, I'd gone on to do this, this training. And I wrote an essay as part of my course, and I titled it Yoga as an Antidote to Modern Life for Men. So I did a, I did a bit of a, a bit of research and a study around uh, mental health issues mm -hmm. in men and mm -hmm. the horrendous rates of suicide, yes. mental illness, and, and yeah. the way that men have been conditioned and socialized not to talk about the problem yeah. or to seek help. Mm -hmm. And when they get into that sort of state of mind of, of chronic stress, anxiety, depression, how that then leads to risky behavior, illness, heart disease, cancer, things like that, mm -hmm. and how ultimately, you know, it can lead, in the worst case scenarios, to suicide. And, yeah. you know, I was, I was staggered by, by the numbers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think definitely men it, are affected more by this um, because, like mm -hmm. you say, you're kind of conditioned to get on with it or grow set, basically. <laughs> as, yeah, women, yeah, yeah. Yeah, more, <laughs> as women, we have a little yes. bit more space to be vulnerable, but as a man, you can't. And mm. also, I think you and I are from a generation where, you know, taking a rest is a sign of failure. You have to be busy. You have to be constantly yes. doing something to show that you are successful in life. Oh, yes. how crazy yeah. is that, that we just yes. really be conditioned by society that, yeah, you have to yeah. be doing something. You have to be busy. You have to be only sleeping four hours yep. a night or you're a failure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the, without any regard for the, for the the consequences of of living that sort of life until mm -hmm. you you actually hit rock bottom, and you either you know you, you're compelled to ask for help or you just carry on slipping further and further. Yeah, and I realised that it it wasn't just about learning how to teach yoga, but learning a skill set and having a toolkit to navigate through my own life with greater ease and less suffering and to, to, to you know, continue to bring about positive transformation in my own life. And I'm paraphrasing a book here that uh, I've, I've read recently, One Simple Thing by Eddie Stern, and he... he oh, Eddie Stern. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, And he, he quotes Patabi Joas in, in the book um, and describes yoga as a path. Uh, and a pathway that brings an end to the confusion of the mind by mental discrimination 
that allows us to distinguish awareness from the stories of our lives, thoughts and desires, and defining yoga practice, therefore, as a, as a means of liberation from conditioned thinking, which Joas took from Sanjali Yoga Sutras 226. And the other, the other interesting aspect of this, uh, another, another teacher, A.G. Mohan from Krishnamacharya's mm-hmm. lineage, um, a couple of my teachers on my teacher training are trained under Mohan. And his book, Yoga Reminder, very succinctly puts the way of yoga as a way to maintain the hardware of the body and update the software of the body and the mind. And we can intentionally and positively revise our mental and physical programs in a way that leads to happiness and health. And this opportunity and promise comes through the practice of yoga. And as an IT geek, yeah. <laughs> uh, talk in terms of hardware and software, yeah, um, you know, that really resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. And, and I- it is like a complete reboot, like a reprogramming of the motherboard, really. It is. It's just... It, it is. Yes, yeah. It's... It's fascinating how yoga can compete so many things. And I think like you were saying earlier, we see yoga as just making shapes on the mat. That's that's the idea we have because obviously it's, well, it's society, it's our culture, it's social media, it's, it's everything. But yeah, once you dive a little bit deeper, and obviously you've mentioned the eight limbs of yoga, and even before you step on the mat, you have to go through the first two limbs, the yamas and the niyamas, which are really being about mm-hmm. a good human being, really, having good ethics and, and yeah. morals, it's looking after yourself, it's being good to other people, and it's having a curiosity to, to want to learn, to self-inquire, to, to teach yourself new things. So if you follow the eight path, really, you almost have no business being on the mat until you have done the work on the first two limbs, really, because you have to kind of practice them in that order. And so yoga, what is it? It's just yes. it's sort of psychology, it's, it's body work, it's, it's neuroscience, it's such a mix of different yeah. things. It's such a holistic practice. I think, like you say, we had this idea of us doing things on the mat and then obviously with all the movement in the 60s and 70s it was probably we still got the stigmas of it being woohoo or you need to have flowers in your hair or it's just guys with a man bun you know like you you don't see many teachers like for example all muscles and tattoos you know but there's so much we have so much knowledge now and science has helped with that to kind of really back it up Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think yeah, you, you, you touch on a very good point there, the, the way that, that yoga has been perceived, particularly westernized yoga yeah. and the, the Instagram oh. yoga craze. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> which which I, th- I think it, it, it provides quite a distorted view of, of yoga and you don't really get to know the true essence of yoga as described in that, that sort of eight-limb path. You know, you look on Instagram, it's all, you know, lycra clad, you know, women with perfect figures throwing the most, you know, I mean, incredibly aesthetically pleasing shapes, if you like. But if you're the average person on the street and you look at that and you think, well, you know, that's just not achievable for me. No, it's Um, it's just gymnastics. Yoga's obviously not for me then. (laughs) That's exactly, yes, that's exactly what it is. So the, the way I have approached 
quality yoga is that I, I do it in a very sort of practical and pragmatic way that allows people options to explore postures, their own bodies, their own yeah. lines. So important. And if they want to progress further into a posture, yes, yeah, to, you know, offering them the opportunity to challenge themselves. But if you're quite happy being in this posture, stay there. If, if that's if that's what you want to do today, if that's what is comfortable for you, listen to your body, listen to yourself, never force yourself into mm. something that, you know, you could potentially cause injury yes or isn't going to feel comfortable for you to do um yeah you know there's something about that um stiram sukham asanam the uh ease and steadiness in mm-hmm. your yoga practice and mm-hmm. um, that, that's something that was was drilled into us you know if you're if you're not in a place of ease and steadiness um then then what are you doing yeah uh, is is it is it actually yoga that you're mm-hmm. doing yeah and i think that's and very the- important yeah, and also is what just kind of brings to one point as well that you're just saying there. Just saw that it. the word asana, which is the posture in Sanskrit, it really means to take one seat. So really, the asana yes. part of yoga was just sitting for meditation. Yeah. That's what it was. And I mean, obviously, when we go back, yoga is thousands and thousands of years old. So if you go back to when that was, they were kind of more nomad, or at least they were people who were walking the lands and they were moving quite a lot. So then yes. the asana part was to sit, it was them to be sitting in a comfortable position, but being able to sit in that position and not being distracted by it. So I think eventually as people evolved and being more sedentary, I think a more sedentary lifestyle kind of led on to those asanas as we know them today, those postures to really walk the body yep. and open the body. So you can sit in that place, those ease and steadiness yes. for your meditation. And I think we yes. forget yes. a lot of that, or it's not talked Absolutely, about yes. enough. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, you make the point about you know, the, the perception of it being woo-woo, hippie, you know, men with man buns. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's far from that. You know, meditation, um, to me, is a practice to develop a steady mind you know, where you can step away and detach from the story of your life, the mm-hmm. thoughts, your emotions and things like that, and become more discerning with which thoughts you follow, which thoughts are useful and which thoughts are not useful. Yeah. And being able to step away from that mind chatter. Yeah. Um, and that is that is kind of the, the ultimate goal of yoga, isn't it? It's that, that unification of the breath, the body yeah. and the mind exactly. to come into that yeah. comfortable asana, yeah. that, that comfortable seat, if you like. Absolutely. And those thoughts are just what they are. They are just thoughts. It's just an interpretation from your brain of all the sensory things that you're feeling inside, the impact that your environment has got on you and things that have just beliefs that have been anchored into your mind from when you were a child and all these things and then you've got your limbic center so your your amygdala and that the center of emotion that is here to protect you basically what what their role Mm -hmm. is just to keep you safe picking up things in your environment 
and we just perceive them as dangers. So it's just because this part of our brain that's just hasn't evolved for <laughs> millennials, you know, we're still, yes. we're still the yeah, same. Yeah. and we call it the reptilian brain for a reason. It's because it's so primitive and it hasn't evolved over the years. So whereas we were that part of the brain had to trigger the stress response to keep us safe from predators mm -hmm. now the predators mm -hmm. have been replaced by the cars on the road by our projection yeah. about our future about our boss that's not really happy about us at work or anything <laughs> like that that causes <laughs> stress and then it's yeah. our nervous system is bombarded constantly yes. Yes. during the day yeah. with perception of threats and it puts us yep. into that stress response where the sympathetic nervous systems part of the autonomous nervous system so like the autopilot i call it that goes online and just make sure we're ready to run to to fight to and it's this yep. thing that we're just constant producing adrenaline and cortisol and these have got <laughs> such bad effect over time on oh, yes. on our health and, and well-being because these are cortisol is just such a, a, a destroying hormone almost. <laughs> mm, yes, yeah. And then you come back to that point where we evolved this, this survival instinct to uh, keep us safe from predators. So, you yeah. know, if, if we were chased by a lion, you know, thousands of years ago, once we got to safety, that stress response would yeah. reduce. That's it. We'd Parasympathetic come comes on and then slows yes. everything down. We're safe. We're good. Slows everything down. Yeah. But, you know, as you say, we're, we're constantly bombarded with, with sensory input and overload, um, whether it's through work or through consuming more and advertisements. Yeah. Yeah, social Cars media, and you need to look that way, or you social need to media, have yes. that to look like yes. you're cool. So, what ultimately what it is is just it's a survival instinct. It's just mm. keeping us safe. So you just want to 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 have these things, to to buy these things, or look a certain way because it's going to make you more attractive to the opposite sex, and then you're going to be able to to carry on with the next generation and you're going to be able to to have more power and ultimately that's what it was and 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 tribes are all those thousands of years that the ultimate goal was to to reproduce right it was just yes. <laughs> to yes. keep going and we haven't changed yes. really it's just it looked it looks a lot different you don't need to be the best hunter anymore uh you have to have the best car and the best house and the best Gucci gear, basically. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it and it's all a false projection of reality, um, and that's that's where yoga comes in, isn't it? And you can once you develop that way of discerning what's useful and what's not, you can mm -hmm. start to strip away from those things that, yeah. that no longer serve you. And that in itself can be a painful process, you know, and when you realize that, you know, you, you are not your ego, you're not your thoughts and your emotions, you know, that, that can be quite a, a, a jarring experience mm -hmm. for people. Um, yeah. You know, I, I certainly went through quite a difficult period in life going through this, this process and realization, mm -hmm. but, you know, ultimately I found it very liberating. Yeah. I found it liberating to, to to be able to step away from my ego. I mean, we 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 don't get we don't get a user guide, do we? 
without no. our minds and our bodies. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not going to know any, any of this stuff unless you actually consciously go and, and do the work. And for, for most people, where their lives are just in this sort of treadmill, if you like, you know, when do they ever get the chance to, 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 to step off and step away unless yeah. they go to a yoga class or yeah. or read a book like mm-hmm. Yoga Reminder, for example, and, yeah, and yeah. have that sort of light bulb moment in their, in their minds that mm-hmm. makes them think, yeah, this isn't right, is it? Something's not right in my life and I, I really need to make that change. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think the mainstream media help either with their their sort of fads and their crazes and their sort of the mixed messaging around what is a healthy lifestyle. I don't yeah. think, yeah. you know, people are constantly bombarded with, with this solution and that yeah. solution. Yeah, do this. It's going to, yeah, you're going to lose yes. weight. You've got, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then, and then the next thing comes along and then the next thing comes along. and It, it just generates more confusion in people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you said about the ego, because I think we sometimes almost see the ego as enemy but mm. it's just it's just a function of our mind yes. really it's yeah. a function of our mind again to keep us safe the role of the ego is to keep us safe because we want to be on top so if we're on top we're just we're the best at what we do or mm. and it's just we think that we we would be more successful in lives and we've got more chance of survival so yes. it's just a function of the mind but the issue we have is we are identifying ourselves to the ego. We're identifying ourselves yes. to a function of a mind that is just a function of our mind. as It's not yeah. what we yeah. are. And I think this is where Absolutely. the issue really lies. It's just we identify. We base our identity on, on that ego, on what we do. And there's one thing that I was thinking about recently as well. It's just like we define we really define ourselves as being through the things we do like even i'll say i'll say i am a yoga teacher or mm-hmm. you'll say or somebody say what do you do in life you'll say oh i'm a lawyer no you're not mm-hmm. a lawyer yeah. i'm not a yoga yeah. teacher i'm doing the work of a yoga teacher i'm doing the work of a lawyer yes but yeah. i am not that thing i'm not defined by yeah. that but even our, in our like everyday this. language, we we use this. It's like people put in their their social media bios, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I am I am this 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 and yeah. this, and yeah. they're defined by those labels. And I like I like an ego um, as a as a as a lens through which we perceive life. Yes. And it's how we how we handle that perception. You know, we we can we can become consumed by what we perceive or we can filter through that lens and be more discerning with okay is that useful does that serve me what is this thought that i'm having right now how is it making me feel do i need to be thinking about that or how can i transform that experience that i've just had rather than being caught up in in those stories which Mm -hmm. are all about the sort of the, the, the surface of the mind rather than going beyond the ego being able to observe be, be the, ultimately be the observer yes and being detached from that ego mind mm-hmm. that is that is i suppose one of the goals of of yoga practice yeah it's just to help you get to, to your true self really is kind of like you were saying earlier it is. Kind of peeling yeah. the layers yeah. of the onion
the old translation of yoga originally it was it was to use wasn't it why you why yes which in sanskrit language was to to yoke or to unite yeah, yeah. yes the union. bring together yes yeah, yeah. so that that, you know, that very succinctly puts you know the the, the the true nature and essence of yoga into mm-hmm. yeah one definition and I, and I like the way it's it's very simple there's there's nothing complicated to it it's just a simple set of practices observations behaviors that that lead to to that state of awareness yeah it's not woo woo in the slightest <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's, it's quite pragmatic really, when you yeah. look at it yeah no absolutely yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a <laughs> and as a spiritual practice rather than you know looking out or looking above it's about you know looking to what's what's within you know mm-hmm. that, that divinity that exists yeah. within all of us yeah it's um, just really just you know beautifully powerful yeah and it kind of makes me think of again just a huge big principle of yoga which is the the five koshas so the the five subtle oh, bodies yes, yes. so yeah. where in in the west we talk about mind body and soul these are really the three that we kind of label as such but still we we put them in those buckets that are kind of really yeah separate and we'll say oh yeah but there is that connection mind body yeah there's there is that connection mind body but it's even more intertwined than that it's even more subtle and i love the way that you've got obviously your your physical body so your your flesh and bones and then you've got the energetic body and i love that because it is when you think about the body so you could that is so intertwined because through the breath for example so obviously Mm. pranayama which is breath or the control of the breath i think the the exact translation Mm. from sanskrit is but it is energy and it's that what is what is breathing breathing really is that an exchange of gas that is an energetic interaction yes when you think about you know all our physiology all those chemical reactions and neurotransmitters, all these things that happens in our body, it's very real, but it's not flesh and bones, but it's still very linked. So these two are unsuperable anyway. But then you go down to the next one, which is the emotional body. Mm-hmm. But again, that's that's the exact same thing, because what is an emotion? An emotion is a feeling is a sensation that's been picked up by your senses by your body by through your environment that's been fed back through to your brain again we're going through the limbic system that part of your brain then just reacts to that is it threat no is it safe okay let's make memories or whatever and then let's release some neurotransmitters and then that those neurotransmitters are going to stimulate some glands and then let's get some hormones released and we feel a certain mm-hmm. way. When we feel anger, we feel heat going into the face. These are physical senses. So again, you've got that intertwined. Like, and then you've got your intellectual body, which is more about your personality and your morals yes. and your beliefs. Yeah. And then you get to that last body where you're going to the blessed body, which what we would call yes. rest your soul, right? So it's all that. It's just, and they're not separate. You can't separate them. It's not, it's not like the little mm. Russian dolls, one is inside the yes, other. Exactly. It does, yes. It's yes. all intertwined. And, and I really like that. It's just 
it's more subtle and it's more intertwined than just putting those three buckets, mind, body, and soul. Yeah, and and you can you can relate one to the other, and and I like the way that they they relate the bliss body, which permeates through all of the other layers yes. as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's interesting that you know a lot of yoga teachers they only ever speak of the chakras. Um, mm-hmm. I find the things like the koshas and and and, and even the gunas, the the sattva, the rajas, and the, the tamas, the tamas, the, the different states of mental operation, if you like, to be much more practical and applicable to to everyday life. You know, I'm not not discounting the the the, the notion of the chakra system, but I think if more people understood those other aspects as well i think that they would have much more sort of practical and real world appeal because mm-hmm. i think uh, i think uh, the chakra system in particular is, is kind of been hijacked by a lot of new age philosophy yes um, which is perhaps you know doesn't doesn't give it as much credit as it as it deserves because mm-hmm. of you know how how the ancient yogis um discovered these energetic centers in the body and how they relate to, you know, different, I suppose, feelings and emotions yeah, and actions. Yeah. Um, the way it's been hijacked, yeah, you can you can see why people think it's a, it's a woo-woo practice. Yeah, yeah. But and chakras really are just, if you look at the seven main chakras, they are all anatomical plexuses within the body they are gathering of important nerves and Mm -hmm. blood vessels and when you start to look at the anatomy and specifically the anatomy of the nerves i've done actually episode two kind of relates to the manipurat chakra so the solar plexus chakra in that way because at that plexus the splanchnic nerves leave the spine and go through that plexus, which then goes into most of your main organs. And these nerves are sympathetic nerves and they innervate the adrenal glands. So if you can imagine that you can stimulate those nerves, you're going to stimulate really subadrenaline and all that sort of stuff. And so when you think mm-hmm. about the Manipura chakra and you know, like you say, those feelings and, and emotions that are related to yes. that. It's always about willpower, about being self-confident, and it's like the inner fire. And that is so true, because if you look at those anatomically, it, it totally makes sense, because when you look yeah. at the nerves that go through that. But like you say, yeah, it's just all about chakra and energy healing. Yeah. and But yeah. there, there's, there's more to that. <laughs> Oh, yes, so much, yes, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think if, if those things were taught alongside the, the concept of the gunas and the, the, the kosher, and, and you look at it as, a, as an overall system of science that is proving what the ancient rishis and yogis and seers discovered you know, thousands of years ago, the, uh, as you say, the, the nervous system and how it's interlinked to those energy centers in the body, I think, I think once people make that connection between the philosophy and the science you know it it, it, it lends itself to, to to a lot more having a lot more validity if you like yeah yeah but yeah i it, think it's, we it's are true. on the cusp already kind of we are at that very interesting stage where 
There's so much new stuff that comes through neuroscience. I mean, if you think about neuroplasticity, for example, it's a very, very yes. young science yeah. because not that long ago, yeah. we thought that, you know, once your neurons were damaged, that, that was you. You're, you're done. You're gone. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else you can do. You've got that set of neurons you yeah. were born with, and that's you pretty much, right? <laughs> But now, obviously, yes. science is able to discover that actually, no, you can grow new neurons and you can rewire them and create new pathways that enables you to to heal and and and, and be a different person. Or yes, I, I like I like the analogy of um, neurons that fire together, wire together. Yes. So the more you practice something, the more those neurons fire, and the the the, the stronger those connections become. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, I liken that to if you get into um, like a negative frame of mind and you develop negative habits, mm -hmm. yeah. that wiring still takes place and those connections become extremely strong. But yeah. you know, yeah. if you can flip that into more positive behaviours, practices, those connections still made, but you're wiring your brain for success mm -hmm. if you like rather yeah. than you know a life of chronic stress and disappointment mm -hmm. it's just as simple as you know it's i like that you touch on habits because i don't know if you know uh, or if you have heard of atomic habits by mm. james clear um, yes yeah. but it just explains it in a very simple way and it's and that's what it is, a habit is just your brain basically just creating a little default or autopilot program so you don't need to think about it in this conserving energy. Yeah. That's all it does. It's just, it's like, like you say, being in that negative pattern, it's your brain doing this, just like you would come into a dark room and you automatically switch the light on without thinking about it. It's just, yeah. it's saving you energy. So, but you can change that that's that's the beauty about that is just you know your yes. brain has kind of gone into that default pattern because it's saving it from having to think too much or, or burn too much energy doing something different yeah. but once you've kind of go over that and you create a new habit then that will become your your default we autopilot software in the, the background default, yes. and you can exactly yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those, those those things take discipline don't they yes and that's yeah. that's that's the key is, yeah. is is discipline consistency yeah <laughs> it's easy easier said than done though isn't it you absolutely know, yeah, if you've, yeah you know you've been stuck in a certain way of being and doing for a very long time it's difficult to see how you can change those habits you know particularly if you think oh, i've got to do this for 80 days in order to make a positive change it, it can i suppose it can feel quite daunting but yes. you know you, you just have to keep getting up and doing the work every day you know micro I'm changes far from yes micro changes you know <laughs> I, I i still slip into bad habits now you know there's, oh, there's so been times I. where <laughs> you know I think, I think it's part of the human experience exactly to, yeah. to, you know c commit to something and then it, it, for whatever reason it falls away but you just have to keep coming back to it and coming back to it in order yeah. to affect that change um you know the the, the options to give up and to sink back into those old habits and, you know, not living a life of fulfillment and happiness, which is, you know, ultimately, you know, what, what, what we all want, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, to, to, to be happy and to, to, to not have a life of suffering. 
All right, so I think we've covered quite a lot. Love that conversation. That was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. So where can people hear more about you, David? So at the moment, I just exist on uh, Instagram. I go by the name of Dragon Yoga, Dragon without the O. I was born in the Chinese era, the dragon. Ah, yeah, uh, I, I res- resonate quite a lot with uh, Bruce Lee and his philosophy mm-hmm. on Jeet Kune Do, which is not only martial arts, but how mm-hmm. you approach the challenges of life. And, you know, I, I, I do identify with the, the, sort of the dragon archetype. And the dragon in me has been quite difficult to control <laughs> over the years. And <laughs> yoga has, has been one way that I've been able to tame it. So, yes, I've gone with the name Dragon Yoga. So here we are. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed my conversation with David. Although it was a little bit different from the sciencey style of the podcast, my goal is to make yoga and other practices accessible by demystifying them. I hope many men will identify with David and will be inspired to try yoga, or at least are now a little curious about it. This episode was sponsored by Yoga Legs. Yoga Legs is a small UK-based company run by two mums who make astounding leggings, as well as harem pants and tops. I have over 10 pairs, so I know what I'm talking about. And as a listener of the Nerd Yogi podcast, you get 20% off your order online. To get your discount code, go to clanyogis.com slash yoga legs. Yoga and double G for legs. This was the Nerd Yogi podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review or comment on your favorite platform. And if you would like to start your yoga journey today, head over to clanyogis.com and sign up to my free 30-day membership, where you can get access to my free day yoga for stress relief program and over 15 yoga classes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Namaste.